I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to look at some practical ways to build a powerful prayer life. This has really been on my heart lately because so many of us are feeling isolated. We're feeling cut off from other people. With all that's happening in the world, we haven't been able to maybe gather with our church groups or our other Christians, and it's really easy to let a season of isolation cause us to become dull spiritually. You know, we, many of us are just sort of biding our time until the season is over and looking for things to distract us, whether that's just social media or entertainment, and we overlook the amazing opportunity that is sitting right in front of us that as some of us may have extra time in our hands, or we may find ourselves with more alone hours than we're used to having, this is an incredible chance to build a deeper prayer life, a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet it's easy to let a chance like this just go by because we're just distracted with the noise of our culture, even for those of us who are isolated in our own homes. So before we dive into the practicals, I wanted to remind you that we have our Set Apart simulcast event coming up June 3rd through 7th, and you can go to setapartgirl.com to learn more and register. You can stream the sessions live, so every day from June 3rd through 7th, we'll, we'll be releasing powerful sessions on cultivating a passionate devotion to Jesus Christ. We also have a lot of fun bonuses this year because we're not able to gather in person. So we've added a lot of special guest interviews and things that I think will really enhance the experience and make this an event that will really deepen your relationship with Christ. So again, you can watch it live or you can stream the sessions anytime throughout 2020. You can gather a group together or host a conference in your church later this year when gatherings are allowed. So I hope you'll take advantage of this. I'm really excited about this year's theme, which is sacred living. We're going to be talking about how to exchange lukewarm living for passionate sacred living, where our lives, our daily lives are centered around Jesus Christ. As I've been preparing the sessions, I am just so eager to share these truths with you because they have freshly challenged me. So again, go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. Also, if you're looking for a, a way to grow spiritually this summer, maybe your plans have been disrupted as you look ahead to the summer months, we are now offering our Ellerslie Discipleship Training Program online for a limited time from June 15th through July 17th. So that's five really powerful weeks of virtual online discipleship. We've never offered Ellerslie online before, but in light of current events and because so many people are limited and restricted in their ability to travel, we have decided to use the early summer months to offer something online that you can join no matter where you are around the world. So go to ellerslie.com to learn more about that. We are offering that training on a donation basis. So no matter what your financial situation, we hope you can join us. So let's dive into building a powerful prayer life. It's so easy to marginalize prayer to sort of look at it as something we have to check off a list versus something that we really take delight in. There are a couple of quotes from Christians that I admire that have really challenged me of how important prayer is. And Corey Ten Boom once said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire. Such a great analogy because so many of us make it a spare tire in our Christian lives. We don't allow it to become the steering wheel of our lives. And Amy Carmichael said, prayer is the core of the day. Take prayer out and the day will collapse. 
I have found that to be very true. When I do not keep my focus on Jesus just to start out the day, when I don't invite him into the center of my day, the day will quickly collapse, whether I'm tempted to dwell on fearful things or things that make me upset and frustrated, or I just waste the time that I have on trivial, meaningless things. When prayer is out of the picture, the day just sort of unravels. And yet when prayer is honored and treated as important, the day will be successful and it will be victorious. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges during the day, but when prayer is central, we have the grace that we need to face those challenges triumphantly. I've heard stories through the years of Christians who have been forced into really hard situations in prison and in solitary confinement, and they use that time of isolation to develop a deeper relationship with Christ than they ever had before. And those stories have really challenged me to use this time of isolation to do the very same thing. Although in a prison cell, you know, don't you don't have a phone or a computer or any type of device that you can click on to distract you. I remember hearing one time about a soldier, an American soldier who was taken prisoner by the Japanese during the Second World War. He wasn't a Christian when he went into that prison cell, and the the last place he wanted to be was in that prison cell. But somebody somehow got him a Bible when he was in there, and he gave his life to Christ. And suddenly that prison cell became this amazing sanctuary where he could draw near to Christ, where he could come into the presence of God. And for that season of his life, he knew that was exactly where God wanted him, where he didn't have the distractions of the outside world. And he could really become grounded in his relationship with Christ. And he began to delight in that solitude because he was there in the presence of God. And what a challenging story for those of us who might be feeling frustrated and cut off and isolated and lonely. We need to remember that no matter how isolated we are from friends and from other people, we are never isolated from Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to really look at your daily life and say, how can I not just keep prayer as my spare tire, but make it my steering? will. I want to look at a few key aspects of prayer. And one of the scriptures that I think is is very poignant with regards to prayer is the example of Daniel when he was in that place where it became illegal to pray to any other God but the king. And he had to make that choice. Am I going to continue praying every day in a way that other people know that I'm praying? And here are these men that had kind of tricked the king into making this decree that if anybody was caught praying to any other god besides the king, they would be killed. They would be tortured, thrown into the lion's den, and devoured by wild beasts. Now, Daniel, even though he knew that this was going to be the consequence, what do you think he did? It says in Daniel 6.10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. That is such an amazing example to me because really he didn't have to pray publicly like that. But why was he willing to put his life at stake in order to protect that tradition of going on his knees before the true and living God three times a day in in a place where other people could notice him doing it. He was making a declaration that prayer was not going to be 
something that he was ashamed of, something that he was going to hide away and not do in public anymore. He was making a declaration that he was loyal to the one true living God. So why was prayer worth risking Daniel's life? What was so important about prayer? You know, he could have just sort of said, well, I'm going to declare to anyone who asks me that I serve the living God. But he decided he was going to pray to the living God. And that really caused me to think, why is it so important to pray? Why does God say that prayer is worth even giving our lives for? The Bible has so much to say about prayer, and there's no way we could possibly cover it all in one podcast. But I want to focus on a few key points about prayer that sometimes we often forget. We look at prayer as something we need to do somehow because it makes us a good Christian, but we sort of forget all of the attributes and benefits and results of real praying. And the first point is that prayer is the cure for anxiety. And that's such an important thing for us to remember in a day and age when everyone around us seems to be marked by fear. It says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's an astounding verse. We are not to be anxious for anything, but the result or the or the alternative to stewing in anxiety is to by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving present our requests to God. And then the result of that is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So if you've been feeling anxious these days, if you've been looking at the news or the way others around you are responding to the the crisis that the world is walking through, and you've been tempted to dwell in anxiety or to become fixated on fear, God is giving us the solution right here to say, no, instead of being anxious, I'm going to pray. And in doing that, I know that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. None of us needs to be a victim to anxiety because God has given us the solution through prayer and through standing on the promises of God. So remember that prayer is the best cure for anxiety. Secondly, the Bible says that prayer keeps us connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ. In John 15, 5, Jesus tells us that without him, we can do nothing. And it, he's using that analogy of remaining connected to the vine. If a branch is cut off from the vine, it withers up. It's good for nothing but to be cast into the fire and burned. And yet when it remains connected to the vine, it can bear fruit. So without him, we can do nothing. And the only way to really stay connected to the vine is to abide in his presence, to continually commune with him throughout the day, to lay our requests before him, to let him speak to our hearts, to come boldly into the throne room of grace, to present our needs before him, to call upon him in the day of distress and hear him answer. That's how we remain connected to the vine. It doesn't happen without prayer. Prayer is what keeps us dependent. Prayer is what keeps us focused on the true source of our strength, which is Jesus Christ alone. So if you're looking for a way to remain connected to Jesus Christ. You know, it's so ironic how we as Christians can complain that God feels distant or that Jesus Christ doesn't really seem to be a reality in our lives. And yet, oftentimes when we look at our prayer lives, we have to admit that there's not much there. If we are going to stay connected to the vine, we have to be building prayer into the the core of our day, not just as an afterthought. So prayer is a cure for anxiety, and it keeps us connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. Also, prayer brings God's protection and strength. 
And as I've gone through really difficult times in my life, I have noticed that when I choose to turn to prayer rather than anger or distress or panic, God always brings the solution that is needed, whether it's protection, whether it is coming to my defense, or whether it is just giving me that inner strength to endure something that's really hard. A few scriptures that stand out, Psalm 109.4, in return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself to prayer. So here's a situation where he is being falsely accused by people that he has loved, that he has served. And that reminds me of David, King David, who wrote most of the Psalms, and also of Jesus, who was betrayed by those he poured his life out for. But the solution is, I give myself to prayer. And when I've walked through times where I felt falsely accused or misunderstood, I have gone back to this verse, and I've realized that if I give myself to prayer, I will be able to walk through that hard situation triumphantly and victoriously. There have been times when I have had such heartache in the area of false accusation, and I felt like I would never recover from it, or I felt like those who were falsely accusing me were were breathing out such extreme threats that I thought, you know, I'll never be able to recover from, from how they're planning to destroy my reputation. But when I gave myself to prayer, their threats melted into nothing, and I had the strength to go on. It says in Luke twenty two forty four that when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was in agony, it says he prayed more earnestly. So that again ties in so strongly with that scripture in Psalm 109. As we are, the more in distress we are, the more in agony our soul is, we are to pray more earnestly. We are to give ourselves to prayer because that is where true strength comes from. It says in Psalm 65 too, oh, you who hear prayer to you, all flesh will come. Isn't that amazing that God says he hears prayer? We are not just praying to an empty space. We are praying to the God of the universe who hears prayer. And then in Psalm 116, three through seven, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. I was brought low and he saved me. So again, it's that pattern. We are in distress. We call it to him. We give ourselves to prayer and he saves us. He delivers us. He rescues us rescues us. He strengthens us. Another key point about prayer is that prayer wins souls. Maybe you have someone in your family or in your immediate circle of friends, someone you're living with that you are burdened for. And it's really easy to focus on, you know, how can I say the right thing and do the right thing to win them and overlook that prayer is one of our most important tools in winning another soul to Christ. It says in John, in 1 John 5, 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will get him life for those who commit sin. So that verse may be a little confusing if you're not reading it, but it's basically saying that if you see someone in your life who is sinning and you're a burden for them, you can ask and God will give life for those who commit sin. God will hear your prayer on behalf of that soul that you are a burden for. Now, the answer may not come right away. You may not see this person's life transformed the very next day. In fact, it could be years of faithful praying to win a soul, but prayer is not going to return void. Prayer is not empty. Prayer is not meaningless, especially when it comes to to winning a soul to Christ. So prayer helps us overcome anxiety. It's the cure for anxiety. Prayer is what helps us remain connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ. Prayer is what brings God God's protection and strength and deliverance. And prayer is what wins souls. 
And so prayer is definitely not something that we should just look at as, oh, this is something I need to check off my list. This is actually the power of of a thriving Christian life is largely connected to how much prayer is in that life. There are a few great quotes from missionaries that I've I've loved reading about prayer. Mary Slessor, who was one of the first missionaries into interior Africa, and she went where a lot of other missionaries would never even think of going, and she was in these just incredibly life-threatening, difficult situations for most of her missionary career. And she wrote this, My life is one long daily, hourly record of answered prayer for physical health, for mental overstrain, for guidance given marvelously, for errors and dangers averted, for enmity to the gospel subdued, for food provided at the exact hour needed, for everything that goes to make up life and my poor service, I can testify with a full and often wonder-stricken awe that God answers prayer. And if you read her biography, you will see just through the testimony of her life that God does answer prayer. And William Carey, one of the first missionaries to India, said this, expect great things from God, receive great things from God, expect little from God, receive little from God. So if we expect great things from God, we receive great things from God. If we expect little from God, we will receive little from God. Very powerful when it comes to looking at our prayer lives. So we need to understand what real praying is. And again, I don't really have the time to go into prayer at any true depth in a short podcast like this, but there is a difference between just saying words and going through the motions of prayer and really connecting with the King of all kings. And William Booth, the co-founder of the Salvation Army, wrote this, you must pray with all your might. That does not just mean saying your prayers or sitting, gazing about in church or chapel with your eyes wide open while someone else does the praying for you. It means first fervent, effectual, untiring, wrestling with God. This kind of prayer, be sure that the devil and the world and your own unbelieving nature will oppose. R.A. Torrey, who was an American evangelist in the early 1900s, said this, Do not just begin to pray and pray a little and throw up your hands in the air and quit, but pray and pray and pray until God bends the heavens and comes down. And then A.W. Tozer talked about the concept of praying until you really pray. He said, if when we come to prayer, our hearts feel dull and unspiritual, we should not try to argue ourselves out of it. Rather, we should admit it frankly and pray our way through. Some Christians smile at the thought of, quote, praying through, but something of the same idea is found in the writings of practically every great praying saint from Daniel to the present day. We cannot afford to stop praying until we have actually prayed. I think that is so powerful and so inspiring. So obviously, we have to set aside the time to pray until we pray. We can't just sort of say, okay, I have two minutes. I'll just sort of, you know, toss a few prayers toward heaven. We need to look for those windows of time in our day. And I know as women, we so often feel like, you know, I have a busy family. They're always needing things from me. I don't have the time to pray until I pray. And I've struggled with that many times with six kids and being in full-time ministry. But looking for those windows of time late at night, early in the morning, while I'm driving in my car, when my kids are taking naps or whatever. When they were younger, I would have to find those times when they were all taking naps. But to say, you know, instead of checking Instagram, I'm going to pray. Instead of vegging in front of a movie, I'm going to pray. Even if I have to get less sleep, even if I have to have less of a social life, I'm going to pray until I pray. It's just a matter of making it a high priority. And a lot of us don't like to admit that. And it is a challenge. But, you know, think of it in terms of, of the example of the men who wanted to get their paralyzed friend to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is preaching in this house. 
and their crowds were everywhere. And how in the world are these guys going to get their friend to the feet of Jesus so that he can be healed? They didn't just look at the crowds and say, hey, there's no way we can get in. We'll just come back another day and just walked off. Instead, they they solved the problem creatively. They went up to the roof of the house and they removed the tile of the house and they con- contrived some way to lower this man on a rope down so he was right at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, it says Jesus marveled at their faith. And I think that is such a great example for us when it comes to finding that time to be in the presence of God, that we have to be determined to find creative solutions, to make it a priority, and to say nothing is going to keep us from getting to the feet of Jesus. Even if we have to go up on the roof and remove the tiles from the house and lower our friend down on a rope, we want to get to Jesus. So a few key, a few just quick practicals as we close. Look at ways that you can remove hindrances from true prayer in your life. It could be business. It could be constant distractions, constantly checking Instagram and letting those dings pull you away from any type of real focus in God's presence. It could just be lack of spiritual hunger, letting the cares of this life make you spiritually dull. And one of the best exercises for me when I find that happening to me is to just look at what's going to last in light of eternity. And sometimes I take a step back and say, you know, everything that I'm so stressed about and focused on right now, none of it's going to last in eter- throughout eternity. So why am I spending so much of my energy on? And it kind of helps me reset my priorities. And secondly, we need to gain the right heart attitude towards prayer. We have to say, Lord, I I don't want to just be selfish in my praying where I'm just saying, Lord, bless me in this area and bless me in that area. Am I willing to pray for lost souls? Am I willing to pray for the needs of those around me? Am I willing to sacrificially give my time to wrestle in prayer for those around me who have needs? And that can really change your whole perspective on prayer because it's not just a matter of of asking God for what you need, but it becomes a way that you can help build the kingdom of God and work in cooperation with His Spirit, what His Spirit is doing. And then lastly, quiet your heart and tune out distractions. We kind of touched on this earlier, but it really helps me to find a quiet place uh, where I can really go and I won't be distracted to walk outside and pray or to find that quiet corner of the house. You know, Jesus recommended a, a closet, go into your closet and, and meet with your Father and secret. And so if you have a place in your house that is private like that, then I would recommend just setting that place aside for prayer. If not, find a quiet place outside. But tuning those distractions out and taking that time to quiet your heart. I, I find that journaling and, and just laying my prayers and my my desires out before God in my journal is a really great way to do that. Listening to really worshipful music, praying through scripture, meditating on scripture, and praying through the promises of God is another great way to do that. So I want to challenge you to look at this season of your life as an amazing opportunity to build a powerful prayer life, to look at a way to tune out the distractions, to sharpen your focus, to fix your gaze on Jesus and say, Lord, I may be feeling isolated right now, but I can't be isolated from you. You are always with me. And if you draw near to God, he draws near to you. That is a promise in his word that we can stand on. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to take this deeper, again, please join us for our upcoming Set Apart Simulcast event, June 3rd through 7th. You can go to setapartgirl.com to learn more and register. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.